Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Wow, I'm kind of glad the turkey thing is over, are y'all? We don't allow, I'm really grateful we don't allow turkeys in Bannockburn. Too much foul language. Yeah, yeah. So many things I appreciate about the holidays, and y'all are appreciating that that's the last one-liner that I've got for the, for the morning, yes. Yes, yeah, y'all can clap, whatever. Um, <laughs> truly, so many things to be thankful for and appreciate. But holidays can be a mixed bag. Do y'all know that? You know, they can have their good things that you appreciate, that you can be thankful for, and then there's some memories, there's some things, maybe some people missing. Uh, that brings about pain. As I was thinking about the mixed bag this week, uh, preparing, I was thinking about a race I had in high school. So I'm going way back. Y'all good with that? Y'all may recall from a prior message a few weeks ago that um, I had to get a full-time job while I was in high school, and uh, a teacher helped arrange that job, and not only that, but so I could go to school and stay in school half the day and go to work. But th all of that uh, was, a, was a walk. It was an emotional walk that I had people helping me through. I had a good friend, Jay, I mentioned, that helped me walk through that. I had a teacher help me. But I didn't mention a coach, a high school coach, that actually made some special arrangements for me uh, all during this time. You see, I had to take off at lunchtime, so I couldn't be part of organized sports anymore. I'd been part of baseball all my life, and I had to quit. And I was bitter. It was just a struggle. And a high school coach, track coach, came to me, knew the situation, and uh, he asked me if I would be on the track team and run the 800 meters for him. And I thought, how am I going to do that? And he said, I know you can't work out with the team, so I'm going to give you a key and special access so that you can come at night and run on the track. You'll be all by yourself, but you'll get to train, and you need to turn in your times. And I did that. And so, to make a long story short, I actually ended up qualifying for the district championship. <laughs> it's quite a story. Quite a story. And there I am. I'm on the starting blocks. 800 meters, that's twice around the track. Eight lanes across. The gun goes off and I take off in a sprint. And I am way ahead. Way ahead. By the time I ran around the track the first time, the first 400 meters, there was no one near me. No one near me. And in the excitement of the race, I was sprinting literally as fast as I could go. Literally. And I was feeling good, and I was in the lead. And those of you who are runners know what happened next. I didn't conserve energy for the second, the second time around the track. And uh, I, what runners call, hit the wall. You know the wall? 
it's where your body just stops. Your legs are in excruciating pain. Your upper body, what does that have to do with running? It just weighs like a ton of bricks. You can barely move and you feel like you just can't press on. Have you ever felt that way? Things are going good, bam, something comes in your life and you just feel like, wow, no matter how much I want to, I feel like I just can't go on. Well, I would love not to tell you the rest of the story. Y'all good with that? Okay, I'll tell you. I faded. I faded. I began to fade. And as I turned that last turn, I'm glad there weren't videos back then on phones. It would have looked like I was moonwalking backwards as runners were going past me. I mean, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. But I knew I had to finish. I not only had to finish, I had to place in order for my team to get points. And so I pressed through the pain. And I finished and I placed. I was not first. but I did place. And so that pain, that feeling that we think about um, is the context of what we're gonna talk about today is what Paul has to say in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. 1 Thessalonians, you can turn to it, is toward the end of the New Testament, about a third of the way from the back. It's an important verse really three verses, very short, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, the first verse, 16. And Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, the background of this text you can find in Acts chapter 17, where Paul is going on a missionary journey, as he did travel so much. And this time he's with his co-worker Silas, and they're traveling to the Greek city of Thessalonica to spread the gospel. And they were successful, folks. One month, the scripture says, many Jews, Greeks, And leading women of the city began to believe. They became believers. However, as was often the case in Paul's life, there was opposition from non-believing Jews. And this opposition was so intense that Paul and Silas had to flee the city for their life, for their very life. And this pain, Paul because he loved these people. They were early in his ministry. And he loved them, and he, and he suffered because he couldn't be with them anymore. And then we come to the letter of 1 Thessalonians. And Paul is writing here to reconnect with his Christian brothers and sisters because he had heard a report from Timothy. You see, he had sent Timothy to the city afterwards to see how they were doing. And he got a great report from Timothy that they were not only doing okay, the church was flourishing. Change was taking place in the city despite suffering. 
Are you with me? Despite the suffering. And the specific text this morning at the end of the letter, Paul is closing. He's closing with an admonition. And he's saying to them, in my words, as you walk through pain and suffering and even death, as you hit the wall, Paul says, understand and believe this, that not only did Jesus die, but he rose from the dead. And he's coming again. And this fact, this fact is the source of their joy when he says rejoice always. It's the source of thanksgiving when he says in all circumstances, give thanks. It's the source of their hope and it's supposed to be ours as well. Let me talk about this in the context of our suffering and our sorrow. That's what you want to talk about, right? That's what you want to think about. We may not look alike, but we all have one thing in common. We know what it feels like to hurt. It's a universal language, isn't it? All tears look alike, but what's behind those tears can come in all kinds of ways and look so different. We know the people out there that are facing, some of you are facing, maybe like the church in Thessalonica, persecution, at your work, you students, maybe at school, because of the way you walk and you walk differently, maybe. From COVID, isolation, depression. Y'all remember those days? There are fears of all kinds, aren't there? And there's even death. People whose marriages are struggling, by the way. People whose children are struggling. People who are barely making it financially. People who are misunderstood, unappreciated, lonely, aging. People who go to the doctor at times, as we've heard in recent weeks from friends of ours, and the report's not as good. It's not that favorable. And it's in the midst of all this, it's in the midst of all this, those experiences that, can we be real? The blue skies fade away, don't they? And the chilly rain clouds seem to overtake us. And we are, and I've been there, you've been there, empty, drained, exhausted. Ah, I hit the wall. It seems hopeless. It seems hopeless. Then, that's important, isn't it? Then, hope comes. But where does it come from? Let's turn and see. Paul had a fellow apostle named Peter. Let's turn to 1 Peter, a little further back in the New Testament there. Peter gives us the answer about hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, one verse. And he says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Earlier in that chapter, Peter had said that they were chosen, that we were chosen by according to the foreknowledge of God. In other words, God is, has written his story. He's already written his story, and we're part of it. We're part of that story. So I can trust that I have a purpose in God's story, even in the midst of my pain, that I can fight through the pain, that I can finish the race because he's written a story for me. He's gone before me. He's followed after me, and he's placed his hand of blessing on my head. How do I do this? Peter says here, he says, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I've got news for you. Jesus is alive. (laughs) Yes, he died. He died. And then, and then, he didn't stay dead, and neither will you. Folks, this is not a fairy tale. Paul told the Corinthians, listen, of first importance, of first importance, I delivered to you that Christ died for our sins according to what the prophets foretold through the scripture and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to what the prophets foretold. But not only that, he appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the 12 apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 believers, most of whom are still alive as I write this today. And then he turned and appeared to James' brother, and last of all, to me. This is real. This is truth. It's been confirmed even by outside biblical sources. Jesus was alive. That's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. Even in earthly death, we are still eternally alive. It's hard to think about, but as Jesus did, we will also rise again. That's a mind blower, isn't it? We just change rooms. I recall when our daughter Rachel was born. She was born in the very beginning of baseball season. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And I got the last feeding of the night before we put her to bed in her crib in her room. And so, what is that, 10 o'clock-ish or so, I get to sit in the den in a rocker, feed Rachel and watch the eighth and ninth inning of almost every baseball game that summer. It was great. And you know, I would feed her and she would fall asleep in my arms. And I would finish watching the ball game. And did y'all know that every single morning she woke up alive? Yeah. She was just in a different room. Are Are you following me? That's the way the scripture describes this. So alive. Our new rooms, by the way, will have no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more deaths. And no more tears. Great rooms. And so the rejoicing and the thanksgiving Paul was referencing in 1 Thessalonians earlier. By definition and experience, it must be something different than I usually think about, right? It must mean something different. 
This is not the type of joy I get when the Longhorns win a football game. Why? Because what happens when they lose, which is far too often? This is not the kind of joy I get when my 401k increases in value. Why? What happens to my joy when recession comes and the value of my investment declines? Can I get a witness? Yeah. This is not the kind of joy I get when my health is supreme and going well. Because what happens to my joy when disease comes and I get the doctor's report? The Lord is clearly calling me He's clearly calling you to a way of life that doesn't depend on our circumstances. Can I say that again? The Lord is clearly calling me and clearly calling you to a way of life that does not depend on our circumstances. Here's what I mean. At the cross, the worst of circumstances brought the best of blessings. Satan said, I'm going to kill and destroy, steal and destroy. That's what Satan said. The worst of circumstances in your life. And Jesus says, I came that, that, that you might have life and might have it abundantly. And I did that on the cross. And I conquered that evil and that death, and that suffering forever. It's amazing. So if all this is true, Steve, then why do I allow my hope to be stolen? I'm so glad y'all asked me that question. Yeah, I'm so glad. Because I don't do it on purpose. But can I confess that there are times when I try to take the position of God. Did I just say that? I say, I have to understand it all. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I think I know how this situation's gonna turn out. I think I'm, I know how this other situation should turn out. And when evil comes into my life, then I say, God must not be paying attention at the moment. It shouldn't happen this way. It shouldn't happen to me, right? So what am I to do, Steve? When the pain is so overwhelming that I hit the wall. I hit the wall. I don't feel like I can go on. I don't feel like there is hope on the other side. And I wish I could give you all the answers, folks. I wish I could this morning. Susan and I are by no means the poster children for pain and suffering in this life. Um, so many of you, so many that we know have been scarred deeply from one situation or another. Yes, we know. We know what it's like, at least our fair share personally. But think about you. Think about the things that have taken place in your life that haven't gone the way you thought they should. It hurts, doesn't it? Can we be real about that? It hurts. 
we've experienced doctors' reports and disease and death. You know, right? Do y'all know? We've experienced job loss and financial struggle. Some of you know what that is. We've even experienced the direct evil of criminal violence in our lives. Some of y'all know that. You know what that's like. What did we do? What do we do? What can we do? Just like you, Susan and I need encouragement, the encouragement from God's word, speaking to us in the midst of suffering and pain and sorrow and death and sin even. The word of God is living and active, the Lord says. It's active in our life. So Paul encouraged the Thessalonians. Did you see that? To pray unceasingly. That means I can pray all the time. I can pray in any position. I can just pray. Wow. Praying is listening to the Lord in faith through his word. Listening. Walking through the trials of life, he is there. Praying is believing. God's word is true. Listen. Listen, Steve. So when life is not working out in ways, Steve, that you think are good, remember, Steve. Walk by faith, not by sight. God says, I've got this, Steve. It doesn't seem like you got it, God. And he says, I've got it. Don't I? And what is faith? I've told you before, faith is not wishing something would be true. Faith is not even believing something to be true. Scriptural faith is believing something that actually is true. The word says that faith is the certainty of things hoped for. You want hope? The proof of things not yet seen. Peter said that certainty is a living hope. Did you see that? That certainty is a living hope. Jesus is alive. Jesus is my hope. And Jesus is a person. And the word is a person. And so he says, read it. Be encouraged. Listen. His victory on the cross overcome, overcame all that evil and pain and suffering. It's amazing. Jesus promises, behold, listen now, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? That's what Paul says in Romans. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always. Wow. God says, I will never leave you, Steve, or forsake you. The writer of Hebrews challenges us in the midst of trial. And he says, hold on. Let us hold on to the confession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful. I believe it. And the writer goes on to say, Steve, then you can, you can therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of God and talk to him. That you may receive mercy and may find grace to help you in your time of need. He wants you to come, doesn't he? 
And then Jesus calms me. Do y'all need calming sometimes? My family would say that after a little bit too much coffee, I need some calming. And I would say in the midst of trial, I need calming. And Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This is pretty fearful, Lord. I know that. And I'm with you. And it's in these difficult times, folks, that the church, the church, that's you and I are the church. It's in these times that the church can shine. And that's what was happening in Thessalonica. The church can shine. What the world needs to see is hope in the midst of pain and suffering. They need to see that. We're not immune from that, are we? The people need to see in Bannockburn Church hope in Jesus, who is our living hope. They need to see it. And this hope, it's not a rejoicing like giddiness kind of thing. That's not real. Paul is saying this is hope with a gravitas, a a weightiness to it, where the world looks at you and they know, they know you've been there or you are there. We can rejoice and we show the world we can rejoice because we have a Lord who walks with us through our trials. Psalm 23 says, as we walk through the valley, God is with us. Does he not? We can rejoice, the kind of rejoicing that Paul is talking about, that we have a Lord who identified us with us. He identified with us when he chose to go through pain and death himself. Paul says in Romans, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. We can rejoice that we have a Lord who can be trusted. And this is important to me for those who have heard my testimony because he's a good, good father. He says, how precious are my thoughts about you. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Psalm 139, that's how much God loves you. Did you know that? It's good. He's good. The world needs to see that church people are not playing games. You know what I mean? It's, it can be serious, I know. And this message is not designed to be serious within itself. It's to lead to the hope in the midst of seriousness. Recall, Paul doesn't say we're, we're to be thankful, by the way. I want to point this out for every circumstance. He says we're to be thankful in every circumstance, in the midst of it. We can hate our circumstances. 
our pain, our sorrow, our hurt for others. We can hate it. And yet we have living hope. Jesus is real. He's real. His death-defying love was written in his scars, the poet said. His death-defying love written in his scars. And by the way, I've been talking about us. Let's talk about them just for a moment. Did you know we're called to run to the pain experienced by others? We need to fight the urge to withdraw, that self-protection not to get involved. And we need to run into the chaos like uh, Rob Vyra's firefighters do. Get into the middle of it. Our pastors do that, yes. But we, God's people, are called to do it as well. We're ambassadors, Paul says, for Christ created to do good works. We're to be aware. Be sensitive to what's going on around us and be involved. I heard a Thanksgiving story of hope for a young man. A young man faced with evil inflicted on him. He was from America. And like we hear about far too often today, he was kidnapped and human trafficked, taken over to Europe. Some of the facts of the story are still being determined, but as I understand it, he was separated from his family, from his community. He was taken to Spain, destined for a life of horror, except, except some Christians intervened and ran into the chaos, as I understand it, rescued him along with some others. And he was taught the word of God, and became a believer. And ultimately, he worked his way over to England. He didn't speak English before he went there. And he was taught English. And after what was about 10 years since his kidnapping, he was going to make his way back to America to hopefully rejoin his family. And some of you may know who I'm talking about. We call him by the name Squanto. The year was 1619. And Squanto was on his way transporting back to America near Plymouth Rock. And more pain awaited. When he arrived, he found out that his entire family was wiped out along with the, the community because of an infection that had swept through an epidemic and gotten all his friends and family as well. Can you imagine how Squanto felt? Ten years, I've been waiting for this. And here I am, all my family, all my friends, dead. What good could become of this? Where is there hope in the midst of this? Y'all know, don't you? About a year later, the pilgrims come and they settle in the exact land that Squanto's community had been based in. And they had a tough time that first winter. I believe over half of them died. And as they moved into spring, Squanto was introduced to them through his friend, Samoset. 
And he greeted them in English. Can you imagine? He walks up to them. Only God. Only God. According to the diary of Pilgrim Governor William Bradford, he said, Squanto became a special instrument sent of God for our good. He showed us how to plant our corn, where to take fish, to procure other commodities. He was also our pilot to bring us to unknown places for our profit and never left us till he died. An amazing story of the way God turns the horror of kidnapping and slavery, which are horrible, and the death of family and friends. And he leads Squanto to become a Christ follower. He spares Squanto's life from the epidemic infection. And he uses him to save the forefathers of what would become the United States of America. Come on now. God is working all the time, even in the midst of our pain. Even then. So as we wrap up, and Lynn plays, what the world needs to see from the church, I said earlier, is to see our confidence and hope in Jesus in the midst of our trials. It's no accident that Paul concluded chapter 8 of Romans. Some consider it the greatest chapter in the New Testament. And he concluded that chapter with some words that many of you will be familiar with. Words specifically designed to sustain us in our suffering and in our trials. And he says, beginning in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So back to where I started. There'll be times when things are going well. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then sometimes we just get hit with the wall. Hit with the wall. Good times are rough times. Jesus is my hope. He is my living hope. He's real. And I'm going to ask you, will you choose to believe in the midst of whatever you're going through? Will you choose to believe? Because it's true. So in a crowd this size, folks, on a holiday weekend, there may be some that have not yet made the decision to believe on this Jesus that I'm talking about. And yet, 
you have faced, you are facing, you certainly will face suffering in this life. Hear me when I say only Christ, only Christ can give you hope despite your suffering. He can turn your ashes into art. He's amazing. He's so good. He wants to be good to you. Today, you need to see the love of God in our Creator. See His love. You need to see Jesus having fought for you with blood, fought for you. Blood on His head and His side and His hands and His feet. Jesus can identify with your pain and is desperately seeking to love you. Desperately. And so, Banningburn, I'm going to ask you to believe and close in believing. Would you do that with me? I want you to believe. Would you speak the Apostles' Creed after me? It tells what we believe. Would y'all say that after me? I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, my Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to the heavens, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Christian Church, in the communion of saints, in the forgiveness of sin, in the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. These truths, I believe, and all the people say. And so, Father God, we just give these truths to you. It's not, Lord, that we fully can understand them, Lord, because we are not you. But you've written your story for us, Lord. And we're part of that story. Thank you, Father God. And Lord, That story includes so many things that I appreciate and thankful for. I need to remember to thank you, Father God, every day I wake up in this world. But Father God, I have the confidence to know that as part of your story, you are walking through any trials that I have, and you're walking through them with me, for you are with me. You will never leave me nor forsake me, Lord. And I'm grateful that Jesus said, I'm with you always. 
and that even in the midst of the storm, I can have peace, Lord. I'm so grateful. And in that, we can all say, amen. Amen. Can we just thank Steve for that great word this morning? Thank you, brother. Hope, hope should fill our hearts. We should be a people of hope, amen? And it should have powerful effects in our lives. And I'm thinking about that it's one thing to know that hope might exist out there somewhere. It's one thing to know that hope does exist. It's even a thing to, to feel that I believe in hope and still not experience the power of that hope in your own heart. How do you feel, experience the power of hope? Steve mentioned it, one, believe. And believing is the key that switches that from knowing about hope to feeling the power of hope. Believing and then prayer prayer would you just do an exercise this morning as we sing this song would you just join me in asking the Lord to fill your heart to overflowing with hope not just hope so stuff we're talking about gospel hope I want to feel the power Lord of that kind of hope I don't want to just know about it I just don't want to be able to make a statement about it. I want to feel it. I want to feel it in my heart. Transfer it there. Fill my heart with power. The power of hope. Amen. Will you just join me in doing a simple thing during this song? As we stand and we sing this song, will you just transfer to that place of prayer and say, Lord, I don't want to just know about it. I want to experience the power of the gospel hope in Christ, and I want to experience it in my heart. I want to experience it now. Will you just ask him to do that for you and see what he does? Will you do that with me? Will you stand with me all across the room? Let's spend this moment in prayer as we sing. Lift those prayers to the Lord and ask him to fill us with the experience of his hope.